point eight to ten p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. Many countries around the world are experiencing second wave or second surge of the COVID-19 pandemic and are introducing stricter lockdown rules in an attempt to curb the spread of the virus. Unfortunately, this has not slowed down cybercrime activities around the world. Checkpoint has seen a worldwide increase in cyber attacks on hospitals and healthcare organizations who have been targeted by a rising wave on ransomware attacks over the past couple of months. In fact, since November 1, 2020, there has been an increase of some 45% plus in the number of attacks seen against healthcare organizations the world over. This is compared to an average 22 increases in attacks against other industry sectors. So clearly the healthcare sector is under siege. But what should they do then in order to protect themselves from falling prey to share some tips on what measures these organizations can put in place to protect themselves, their especially patients, cyber criminal activities. Of course, we're joined on the line by Mr. Nomata Anderson, who's a security engineer at the organization Checkpoint. Sir, for your time, thank you so much. Welcome to SFM. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you for having me online. Yeah, you would think hospitals should only be dealing with one pandemic, COVID-19, not the kind that I've just lamented, cyber attacks. What's going on? What are we dealing with? And unfortunately, uh, that's not the case. It's, uh, mm. it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's bad at the moment as uh, they had to contend with cyber criminals as well. So, the, you know, there's been a rising surge in cyber attacks targeted, especially on hospital, obviously, because they, they're vulnerable and, uh, you know, they also um, are, are easy targets for them to pay ransoms because... They want to continue with giving health care and uh, obviously, if, you know, uh, helping people with the you know, rising cases of, of coronaviruses with the second wave. But as far as tips are concerned themselves, as far as, far as what uh, those hospitals can do to, pre, you know, to protect themselves, is they, there's a few tips that I'll share with you and hopefully mm. that will go a long way to helping this, you know, uh, keep this, this attacks that are happening. We're going to share the tips in a second. Let's discuss the tips in a second. But, I mean, let's just sort of get into exactly what the form of cyber attack that is taking place is. What is actually going on there? What are they targeting within the healthcare setup? Is it patient data? Is it trying to access money? Because that's almost always what cyber attackers are ultimately looking for. So when they hack into these systems, what are they actually penetrating and what are they wanting? Okay, so uh, what the uh, the major motivation at the moment is obviously uh, fi- uh, is financial. Uh, they are looking for large sums of uh, uh, sums, sums of money, and they're looking for for fa- for them fast, you know, quick access to large sums of amounts of money. And uh, they seem to to these attacks seems to have actually paid off very well for these criminals uh, in in the past year. And this this success is actually made them hungry for more, they think they can actually go out there and get more. And hospitals are under, you know, tremendous pressure due to the ongoing rise in coronavirus cases and are willing to pay whatever they have to pay so that they can continue to provide health care during these critical times. Unfortunately, as the world's, uh, you know, attention continues to focus on dealing with the pandemic, cyber criminals are thinking otherwise and will continue to use and try to exploit 
that focus today on you know personal financial gain. In relation to the global average sitting at 45%, how does South Africa specifically compare to that? Are we slightly more, are we slightly less, or considerably more or less? Uh, Unfortunately, South Africa has not been uh, exempt from this. I mean, we've also already seen uh, an attack that's happened uh, uh, with uh, with life and life health care as a victim of this targeted attack in its IT infrastructure and IT systems. And... uh, uh, you know, the, 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 that actually, the, the good thing about that basically is um, it attacked, attacked the admission systems, business processing systems, and email servers. Uh, this attack uh, can cause delays, actually cause delays and disruptions in infrastructure in an already trying time for, you know, uh, of the local healthcare industry itself. While working continuously to fight the COVID, uh, the COVID pandemic, as far as attacks on a daily basis uh, are concerned. I think the rise has been from around 450 attacks per day to about 662, uh, you know, attacks that are targeted per institution per day. So uh, South Africa has actually not been spared as far as this is concerned. One can probably expect this to increase with the conversations around the vaccines increasing. Of course, we are talking about hundreds of millions of South African rands, and it could very well in good time be billions of rands that are now going to be subject of the vaccines. The distribution points, particularly your healthcare facilities, and the fact that South Africans at this stage won't know what is real, what is not real. And for instance, there was a conversation last week that was going on in the news that uh, a foreign national was now in the country with medicines that he had not the license to distribute in the name of fighting COVID-19. So all of this lends itself to the fact that with vaccines and the discussions around that, these guys can only become more emboldened. Uh, that, that's true. So these guys are actually, I mean, with, with, more, with more cases rising and with, uh, with the advent of the vaccine itself and you know, billions that are being actually put in, in place to, to be able to actually make sure that the rest of the populace are actually vaccinated. These criminals obviously targeted, uh, more motivated by financial gain, uh, heartless as it is. They will obviously, you know, uh, strengthen their attacks and will try to hold at ransom at least one or two more hospitals or institutions to be able to lay their hands on that, uh, on that, on that, on that, uh, on that case. Because we are dealing with this pandemic, surely this sort of crime has to be given some form of priority. Its effect is as dangerous as it probably sounds to anybody who's listening to this. Therefore, the kinds of resources the state ought to be deploying to fight this should follow the kind of patterns these guys are obviously in terms of deploying resources, and which is more, it should be seen as a serious crime, more than it typically would have been in days gone past, because on the one front, all the state's resources are trying to fight and combat COVID-19, particularly channeled through the healthcare system, among other systems, and now we have to deal with this. Surely these guys have got to meet the full might of the law with some interest. Yeah, that's that's how it has to be, and uh, measures has to unfortunately been put in place, uh, which is actually would divert the attention that that has to be put duly on actually uh, fighting the the pandemic itself. Uh, Unfortunately, that attention has to be divided in in terms of fighting the you know cyber criminals as well in 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 the process. And 
I think with uh, if if anything, these guys have to have to face the full earth of of the law. You spoke earlier on in relation to the preventative measures that healthcare facilities could take, and I suppose that should extend to anybody who is using healthcare facilities just to be on the lookout of certain things. What have you, Mr. Nomata Anderson, who's a security engineer at Checkpoint, come up with, if you like, as the basic or the basic tools for the purposes of, to the extent possible, preventing these cyber attacks or limiting, if you like, their impact once the attack itself has taken place? So there's quite a lot of uh, tools that are, that are in place. So as, as an organization, basically what we've uh, focused on is look at security as, uh, uh, on its own as a, at an architectural point, uh, from an architectural point of view. So I, I think you also notice that more and more people have actually started to work from home, uh, working from their mobile phones, um, working from emails, you know, cloud email for, uh, you know, resources and everything else. So what we have done is put in place tools that make sure that whether you're working from your mobile phone, you're protected. There's mobile security that we actually have deployed. Where you're working, I mean, if you look at it, at, uh, most of these ransomware attacks. Uh, doesn't start as ransom them as ransomware itself. They basically start as uh, probably Trojan infections, Trojan viruses. They start from malicious uh, email links that are actually sent as targeted phishing links that are sent to to people. So we have tools that actually can uh, uh, block and uh, make this visible, uh, so that they can actually they don't become as intrusive as they they ought to be. So those are some of the tools. And what we have also uh, uh, done is put in place measures like giving giving trainings to, to employees so that they can also identify with the absence of tools. At least your people should be informed to be able to identify this. There's ransom attacks, uh, there's phishing links uh, that are being sent to them that are targeted before they actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, get into their into their systems. And also using just a basic ransomware uh, solutions. Although ransomware itself is very sophisticated, but if you have an anti-ransomware solution with a remediation uh, feature as effective, uh, which will enable organizations to revert back to normal operations in just a few minutes if any infections actually takes place. So uh, I talk of, about education uh, of, of your employees about this malicious emails. The other thing is just to make sure that you patch your systems. It's actually a federal recommendation uh, to patch all the versions of software or systems, which could be uh, which could be impossible when you look at hospitals. As in many cases, systems cannot be patched because in most most times they're actually using older versions of the systems. So the, what we have also recommended as checkpoint is to use intrusion prevention systems with visual patching capability to prevent attempts to exploit weaknesses within these hospital vulnerable systems and applications. An updated uh, IPS helps your organizations to, you know, to stay protected. And one other thing that we've actually done besides the tools that we're actually making available to hospitals and other you know, institutions is the fact that we are also offering our services. We've got an incident response team that gives you 30 minutes uh, in the event that you feel that you might have been compromised, they will give you 30 minutes free consultancy services where they can help you with that. 
And if, if even if you don't know that there is anything in the environment, you just need to be proactive. We have got what is called checkups, you know, what we call security checkups, that are also free services that we're extending to hospitals and other organizations that they can take care of. With these free checkup, security checkups, we basically run software where we can try and identify what is within your network infrastructure and give you recommend, recommendations in terms of what you can do to even improve the security posture. I'm, I'm interested, um, now that I've heard and sort of understood, if you like, the entire cyber attack from conception to prevention measures and trying to limit the damage, I probably would imagine I'm not the only one as a South African who is still worried about it doesn't matter what happens after the cyber attack and the responses there to what remains is safe. For instance, the data, hospital patient data has been stolen and it doesn't matter what they want in reply or in response or whatever it doesn't change they've got this information this information has got serious value in the black market because you know exactly patient a b and c or a class of patients because there are many ways in which this data can be organized for the purposes of other role players in other industries well within healthcare but you can talk about in the supply of medicines in And I don't want to mention a particular program that is all designed for people to remain healthy so that they don't have hospital utilization. So the value of this data, once it has been stolen, it can be replicated many times and it can cause a chain of this black market money, if you like, all of which really shouldn't be happening. And South Africans really on that account must be concerned that once the breach has taken place, all the damage that has to take place has already taken place, irrespective of what follows after that. Which, which is which is 100 percent i mean there's there's quite a lot at play when it comes to data loss uh, on its own i think earlier within within COVID, i was actually uh, uh interviewed as far as identity theft is concerned which is one big concern especially when when your data your personal data is actually exposing is out there on the on the on the on the dark web or on the dark side of the internet if you if you want to call it so the the biggest challenge is once your data is out there, anyone can who get access to that data. Uh, besides just using that data to probably you know acquire medicine, expensive medications, they can also use that data to basically um, impersonate you, and you eventually end up in in debt that that you don't know where it came from. And it will actually take quite a lot to be able for you to be able to prove that it wasn't you in the first place. And to reverse that process, and it's actually on its own, it's heartbreaking for for the individuals that who who experience this kind of uh, scenarios. So it is it is a big challenge on its own, which is why as, as checkpoint as well, we play the role of expert advisors to organisations, especially the ones that deals with uh, you know personally identifiable information, health information, to make sure that that data is is encrypted with the highest level of encryption such that even if anybody get access to the data, it will just be, you know, useless data. It won't they won't be able to use it for anything because they won't be able to get access to the actual data. Uh, so that that's some of the measures that organizations can put in play. And this is the other reason why we have Poppy Act as well and uh, and uh, other 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 laws that sort of make sure that anyone who handles personal data should be held liable if you know, and should follow those procedures to be able to make sure that data is always encrypted.
You mentioned Poppy, and I just want to throw in a couple of key words, and I just want to hear you respond to them. I don't have a particular question in mind, but when you mention Poppy, when you mention personal data, we all know that this data, for whatever the reason or however it happens, is sold on. Every time you fill in a form, more particularly online, be very sure that's not the last time that information is being engaged with. That's why you get these dumbass, stupid 087 calls coming to you at random times and hours, and some just having a conversation with you and they can't even say hello. All of that, in the light of now, especially what we are seeing in relation to WhatsApp and the privacy issue around that, as an individual who has an online presence, let's be real, that information is gone and it's gone forever. Uh, unfortunately, that is the case, which is why I've advised uh, as many people as I have and organizations as I have to make sure that, uh, you know, whoever you volunteer information to has got some some way of responsibility and accountability as far as your data is concerned. Don't volunteer all every information to everybody else. The, the reason why that the reason why we have uh, frameworks and uh, and uh, you know, in place uh, and and acts like Poppy itself, uh, uh, PCI, DSS, and all those is to make sure that before we volunteer any information, we just check against that to see if these guys credible enough are they able to make sure that data that I've given them is used for the solely for the only purpose that I've you know volunteered the data for, and only give enough information for the purpose that you need to transact for. No, do not volunteer all the information because there has been, as far as there has been a lot of uh, a spike in the rise of uh, targeted attacks when it comes to hospitals, there has also been a rise in terms of uh, South Africa having three times more cases of identity theft uh, that is compared to the rest of the world combined. So uh, this is a critical issue. This is a big issue. Unfortunately, the Information out there is already out there, but there's so much more that we can do now to make sure that we're protected going forward as well. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your thoughts and comments indeed, Mr. Nometa Anderson, security engineer at the organization Checkpoint. A final message coming through from one of our listeners, a loyal one at that, Ms. Nongurule Gomwegetsi, saying, Songhezo, all I am deducing from the conversation you are having with your guest there is the work of the information regulator has just become pronounced and it requires, I beg your pardon, it requires the national and state institutions to be coordinated in such a way that we can at least control this information because ultimately it all rests and threatens our sovereignty if we do not have a watertight strategy to be implemented against the misuse of data. Could not have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Ms. Nongululeko Mwekezi, a loyal listener of SAFM, The Viewpoint. That indeed was the show. Thank you to everybody. We'll continue some of these thoughts and conversations tomorrow. For sure, the conversation that the President held with us in the family meeting is far from over. Good night.